Hello. Are we recording? We must be. Ladies and gentlemen, this is... Is it the Colcast? Is that what the hell you called this? Uh, the Cole Podcast. The Cole Podcast. Nate made a mistake. It should have been the Colcast. What the hell is he doing? Colcast is pretty cool. Colcast. But, uh, so, my strange voice, this is not the voice you're familiar with if you have listened to this podcast before. Uh, my name is David Delagardel. I'm blessed here to work with some of my best friends at Coal Iron Works, and I'm the hooligan behind Cedar Lore Forge. And you also have here the gentleman who you're more familiar with. It's Nathan, you know, it's Nathan Brandt. I started this. I did this podcast for a while, and we have decided to bring on some collaborators and uh, shoot some educational content. And while they're here, we're going to force them to yes. be in a podcast with us. Yeah, we currently have uh, Mr. Benton, a frizzy, uh, duct taped uh, against his will. <laughs> Let me out of here. Uh, <laughs> he really wants to leave. He thought it was a good idea to come here, and it was, he was terribly wrong. No, if, if you guys are listening to this, uh, uh, and you follow our social media pages, um, at this point, we have probably already shared details of what we are calling the Coal Iron Collaborative. Um, so Nate and I, well, this was Nate's idea, honestly, I'm super grateful for his, um, uh, willingness to set me loose and invite out friends and colleagues of ours to, yeah, help, uh, share the craft. And, um, we, it's, it's so fun here at Cole cause we have realized every time we share knowledge with, a uh, with an abundance mindset, we don't hold anything back. We share everything that we know. We always see a spike and a growth in in our business as, as Cole, um, just, just enthusiasm from our customers, from all of you guys reaching out, asking more questions with more, you know, ideas for new products and stuff. And so we realized, you know, what did we, what did we want when we were starting out in this craft? And it was something like this. So, um, if you haven't seen, uh, the videos announcing Coal Iron Collaborative, essentially it is, we are going to do our best in the coming months and years for, uh, Lord willing, as long as we can do it, uh, to invite out friends and colleagues from around the country maybe even the world, to share their knowledge. And I will be uh, the hooligan who's documenting it on camera. Uh, and then we also want to uh, interview them uh, while we've got them here kidnapped in the shop. So uh, the first first of these, hopefully, Lord willing, many folks is uh, Mr. Frizzy. I was calling him Frizzé earlier. It sounds more... French. Uh, Fren French -y, Very German, but it's, it sounds French when you say it. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and uh, today we've had a blast... Um, any of you guys who are familiar with uh, Benton's work on Instagram, River City Forge, Forge and Tool. And Tool, which is on his t-shirt. I should be able to read it. Um, and somebody's knocking because this is a, a very lively, lively. Uh, it's Philip. In, yeah, of course. He's Phillip. up next in the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 taped, and so he's just trying to get out. You know? That's him trying to, trying to get his way in here. Um, no, anybody who's familiar with, with Benton's work know that he, he makes beautiful uh, and functional axes and tools uh, that can be used... Um, functionally, practically, uh, whether you're into bushcraft or just, uh, yeah, homesteading, whatever, he's doing beautiful work and, um, we wanted to ha have him out here. And so today he has forged, what would you describe it as? Like, what would you, I would, I would describe it as a two and three quarter pound camp axe. Cool. You know, uh, you can use it for whether you're homesteading, bushcraft, cleaning game, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, the goal is always to forge something that I like to call it like a heritage tool. Mm -hmm. something that you can use and you can pass down for generations that people are proud to use. Cause I mean, how cool is it to like have your grandpa's ax or something like that and use that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And it's been awesome. Uh, we are, we still got like 15, 20% of the process to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, We've almost got it wrapped up. 
Yeah, so he's uh, yet to uh, grind in the bevel and stuff. And uh, yeah, need to grind the bevel, heat treat. You know, guys, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to sound like I'm sponsored or anything, but <laughs> forging on a coal iron works presses <laughs> yeah. a really quick process. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That, yeah, we, it's almost like I'm here. You know, yeah. we happen to be affiliated with that company. Yeah, we just um, we just need to heat treat it, and then we'll yeah. uh, put it on a handle and burn the handle and sharpen it up, and make it look good. You know. Yeah. So we'll probably be showing this podcast episode before uh, we we drop the. Uh, hopefully very long kind of mini documentary of sorts on our YouTube page. So if you're not already subscribed to us on YouTube, go check that out. Because we are going to make a heavier emphasis on um, creating more educational content on YouTube as our main focus as a business, as a brand to, of course, share our products because we're proud of them. But we want to, we really want to inspire and educate people and get more yep. people into the craft. Because the more the craft grows, whether people are buying our products or not, it, it benefits us. Um, and it's just fun and rewarding, and it gives us an excuse it's, to hang out. It's a blast, with, yeah. Yeah, hang out with buddies like you. It's so. pretty awesome to get turned loose in this shop. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so here's a genuine question because I, I don't know the answer to. I don't think I've ever asked you. Um, ben and I have been connected for years online, but I don't know like how you got into bladesmithing, blacksmithing. So what's the story of like how you got into it? So uh, it's kind of a funky story. So uh, my stepdad, uh, Wayne Hall, has been a, a, a farrier and a, a welder and fabricator by profession since – he was, you know, since like 1978. So um, I grew up in a metal shop and, and always running around and, and playing around in a metal shop, probably like a kid shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but so, you know, I, I swung a hammer a bit at an early age. And then in college, uh, I had a buddy that wanted to make some gifts mm. for Father's Day, make some horseshoe knives. And I use the term knives loosely because um, we had never done it at that point. And so uh, we drug out the forges and the anvils uh, and we we spent all weekend forging horseshoe knives, and then I was like, "This is really fun," yeah. and it was just a slippery slope from there. And then I realized there's so many resources out there, and um, not only like resources online, but there's resources places, and like, mm -hmm. and I was just like, I just soaked it all up as much as possible. And then I really got into to the axes, so to speak, mm. um, because I think they're a hell of a lot more fun to forge, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and um, but. I started collecting vintage antique axes and I thought, man, I really like trying to make some of these. And so I started making some tomahawks and then I hit some tomahawk classes and then I started hitting some axe classes and then it's just, I can't get enough of it. That's awesome. And did you already say how many years ago was that and how old were you? Um, so when I actually like started pursuing this, it was, uh, 2012. So I was 21. Okay. Awesome. And then, uh, I think I, I think I forged for the first time. I was 11 years old at Kunstfest in New Harmony, Indiana, which is like a big German festival, you know? Nice. And I, I like, I beat on the same horseshoe all weekend and yeah. burned the snot out of myself like three or four times. So it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. And you said your father-in-law is a, is a blacksmith as well? My stepdad is, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, he's, uh. Uh, Wayne does intricate like gates and uh, ornamental ironwork and things like that, uh, fences, rails, and he's starting to get into the tool works with me. Um, he's, you know, he's I, we've discussed before. He's way more artistic than I am, um, and he's uh, he's just a really great smith, and he's and he's awesome to learn from too. Yeah. So. Nice. So, it's a fantastic yeah. resource to have so close. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and the the cool thing is is always having somebody that like uh, so you know uh, the shop that I work in is actually his shop mm -hmm. but you know we, we share it or whatever yeah and um he's so he's so smart when it comes to like because he's he's been working in a metal shop for so long so i can i can bounce ideas off of him but the best part is is that uh he'll also let me learn so they'll yeah. i'll be doing something and 
like he know like I can tell he knows that I'm getting <laughs> catch myself on fire or something and yeah. he say you probably shouldn't do that like, no I think it's gonna be okay and he'll say you, you probably shouldn't do that yeah, yeah. and then 10 minutes later I've got a glove on fire or a shirt or you know whatever on fire and he's like told you you shouldn't have done that yeah, you know so, so it's fantastic and, and um, it's just a lot of fun and and uh, He's also my head of maintenance, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep so, everything running. Keep yeah. Because I'm not mechanically smart at all. And, and he's, and, you know, he's like, yeah, I can fix that. So yeah. that was Andy for me when, when Andy and I started in the craft. I was like, hey, Andy, we need a grinder. He's like, all right. <laughs> Goes and makes a grinder, right? <laughs> like, it's, like it's something yeah. everybody, it's like going to make it a PB&J sandwich. You know, right. Just, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where I couldn't make a grinder if I had 10 years and $10,000 in resources. I was very spoiled. Uh, I was also probably a terrible friend to Andy, but he's he's filled with grace and love and gave me a lot of compassion and, and putting up with my shit. Uh, but it's fun to work with people you. Lo- it also can be hard working with people you love, but he's, yeah, you, uh, yeah, your stepdad sounds awesome. And we got to meet him briefly when he came out, and you guys picked up your uh, your twenty five ton press. Yeah, back year. in uh, it was actually February of twenty. It was a little over a year ago. Yeah. So he was also like a kid in a candy shop in here. <laughs> so uh, so sure. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. sweet. So um, you told me personally about a lot of the cool projects you're working on, like, uh, and I don't want to spoil anything. I don't know if these are like top secret projects or anything, but you know, uh, you're kind of doing like small batch production runs of axes and stuff, yeah. right? And and, uh, and you used to do commissions that you kind of rarely do now, which is smart, I think. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't like because this is still what I do on the side. Yeah. I don't like being under anybody else's time frame because I don't know what my day job is going to consist of. Yeah. Um, so right now, I stick to doing um, you know batches of five, 10 axes yeah. uh, at a time. I've got uh, a project I'm working on called the Long Hunter Axe, which is laying right ne- there next to you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a really cool project I'm doing with some friends, Joe Price and Steve Armstrong. Um, they're over in the UK, in England and in Ireland, mm-hmm. and uh, producing this bushcraft axe and working on that. So it's really cool to work with people from different places. Um, and so we've been working on that. We've got some folks interested in it, a couple, a uh, couple of uh, retailers that are interested in it. So we're working on, uh, working on that. It's a different design, so it's not your yeah. conventional axe, which is it, it, it mixes up the waters a little bit, you know. Yeah. That's cool. So uh, another question I don't think I've asked you yet, and the time we've been hanging out, but uh, what, without giving too much away, any top secret plans? But what, what is your dream? Um, where do you, where do you want to see uh, River City uh, Forging Tool go in the future? Like, what's what's your trajectory that you can see in the next couple of years? That's a great question. Uh, and the <laughs> way I spot where I want to announce it to the world. Yeah, where I want it to go is where I actually definitely want to bug uh, uh, Nathan here about it. But um, so ideally, I'd like to see in in five years I'm doing this full time, and and in five years I'd like uh, River City Forging Tool to have you know five maybe. 10 employees and what we're doing is we're, we're cranking out small batches of uh, edge tools like axes. Um, I do a lot of garden tools. I really like yeah. garden tools because nice. they're, uh, they're an easy market item. They're fun to make. They mix it up and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But doing, doing these you know, small batches in terms of hopefully by then being you know, like 25, 30, 50 batches at a time, mm-hmm. you're up item batches at a time um, and, and really trying to provide you know, an air, an heritage or like an heirloom tool, mm-hmm. but also I want to keep, I want to keep my axes below a certain price point. Sure. I know that's, um, uh, that probably doesn't make sense because everybody wants to make money, but I, I want, I want these type of tools to be accessible. To exactly. People. Um, yeah. not everybody wants, uh, an axe that's, that's 200 plus. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. and those axes are incredible. Uh, but not everybody wants to, wants to pay that. And so I, I, I like to try to keep most of my stuff 
uh, under that two hundred dollar price point because yeah. I want to get I want to get my tools and 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 as many sons and grandfathers hands as I yeah. can you know um, and I want them to work them and use them and beat the snot out of them awesome. within reason very cool yeah. <laughs> within reason. so you heard it here folks kids if you want to become an axe maker <laughs> spam Benton with your yeah. resumes and harass him and ask him to be his employee you know uh, I promise I'll be a nice boss yeah <laughs> Kidoba every now and then yeah there you go <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's awesome, and I and 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 I'm genuinely not trying to like butter you up and just boost your ego. I mean, I can safely say, you know, from my perspective, that you know, uh, he clearly can forge. You could easily sell a two thousand dollar axe that would be worth every penny. But thank you. I totally uh, respect and admire and appreciate the goal to make them accessible and wanted to get wanted, wanted to get them into as many people's hands as possible. So, um, and of course, folks, we are we are recording in our workshop where we just finished forging and so you're hearing the lovely ambient noises of our air compressors <laughs> multiple air compressors and doors and uh, it really it sets the mood it really, it really does, does. You know, it's got an ambiance now know. we just need a glass of wine <laughs> yeah the, the, <laughs> we'll make sure to have that <laughs> people here in anderson indiana driving home from work uh so yeah so we we were joking before we pressed record here that being the professionals we are we did not have any uh set questions to ask benton um we were just going to go off the cuff here, but uh, you said that you had questions you wanted to harass us about. Yeah, I do. So what's, what's been on your mind? About um, so in terms of from like a small business perspective, yeah. right, um, I don't think there's any more time that being, I mean, maybe like obviously the Great Depression, but I don't think there's any more time that it's probably more stressful to run a small business than, mm. than right now, you know? Um, and so how do you guys overcome these hurdles of, um, you know, things like, COVID-19 rolling through and, and how do you, how do you guys from a perspective of running a business approach keeping your employees happy, providing a service to your employees too, but also growing your business? I mean, it, well, so we, we had, we ended up with a, we ended up in an absolutely perfect place for the events that took that happened when, when COVID-19 happened because we uh, we are really pursuing both ends of our market. So we're trying to sell a big professional model press to people that are professionals and that mm -hmm. want quality. And then we're trying to sell with the constraint of price. And, um, you know, our 12 ton is marketed to somebody that's getting started or uh, wants to expand what they can do with their hands and you know, they want to take their hobby and turn it into a side hustle. They want to start that, that journey. So you're looking at an entire country of people that are home and, and oftentimes still getting paid some, mm -hmm. you know? And so this has been a really good opportunity for people, um, in a hobby kind of position to have the time to dump into that passion and, pursue like you know when else are they going to get that opportunity when else are they going to be home with time off with a job for secured over you know? a year yeah. <laughs> right yeah. and you know yeah. it has not been easy for a lot of people i know that but i also know that a lot of the people i talk to are really adamant in two things they they have the time and this has exposed their reliance on so many other things they want the sense of self-reliability like they want a self-reliance to 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 be able to make a paycheck or to sell a, a service and make an income from it that isn't constrained to anybody else's like like 
when you're a small business owner, it's dependent on you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt that a lot. And, and even on a very personal note, like in my home, like I, you know, we got, we brought in chickens and we expanded our garden and we just did a lot of things that gave us a little bit of reliability outside of the infrastructure of our world. And, um, so that, that was actually everything that happened, put us in a good spot. But the last five years of really hard work in trying to optimize our infrastructure in the shop and get our lead time down from 16 weeks to less than a week, Mm -hmm. um, that boded very well for us because we've been able to stay on top of orders throughout this entire thing. Um, you know, we've been able to, for most of the time, except for, uh, we did do a quarantine period towards the very beginning of when all the COVID-19 stuff happened, uh, we stayed open. And so, you know, we're small, we, we work really far from each other. We haven't had a big incident and, um, that has been really positive for us. So all the effort five years ago set us up to really uh, take the opportunity that presented itself. And I think, you know, when I think about being a small business owner, you want to be in an like in in a proned a primed position to jump on any opportunity that presents itself. And so we work really hard to be super versatile so I can swap tooling out and work on 100 different parts in any of our machines. I've got a team of people that can work in any position in the shop because if one person, two people, three people are out, I can still cover those jobs. Yeah, that's and awesome. that takes a massive amount of effort on everybody's, but as the owner, it takes a massive amount of time and energy to keep the communication working because people, if there's an issue, if something happens between employees or something happens for a customer, it just takes like effort. It takes attention. It takes like care. And so, you know, if a couple employees are having an issue, I bring them in and we talk and it's super uncomfortable, but it doesn't matter because otherwise you either stretch it out over the next two years and three of the five are unhappy and leave or you you make it super uncomfortable for a day or two and you figure it out yeah and mm-hmm. um i treat it <laughs> the similarities of being a business owner and being a dad yeah. are like hand in hand so having being a, a father of four children and three and and one on the way uh has 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 prepared me yeah. <laughs> for like, a lot of sit down and talk <laughs> yeah. guys we get you, you know like yeah this sucks let's we got to figure it out yeah. so nobody's leaving you know we're, we're gonna have everybody's getting in the hug shirt and we're all gonna <laughs> hug it out we're gonna freaking figure it out nate, nate just called everybody in the shop a baby it's fine <laughs> so it's not, I'll, I'll, I'll own it I'll, I'll own that i have my day's room but no. you know it and um i haven't recently but uh, for a while, I was listening to a ton of Gary Vee, and he talks an awful lot about intent. And if your intent is right, it'll push you through a bad situation, and uh, you'll figure it out because your intent is to end in a positive place. And so you'll end up there naturally. Um, but I think, to you know, being in a good spot. Um, Financially, working really hard to get our systems organized so that everything runs flawlessly as it as possible. Right. Um, you know something too that I think uh, I've made videos personally about in the past for a small business. Um, you it, it really benefits you to get educated on like 
how other people are making things mm-hmm. and what they've found. And so I read everything that Henry Ford wrote. I read tons of stuff that Toyota and Honda, um, and I've, I've taught myself a lot about how all these systems go together to make like an efficient process. Yeah. But then you get to take it and say, okay, now that I have all these tools, how are we going to implement it for a tiny little business yeah. uh, with a few employees making a really simple product? Because you're looking at companies that are, you know, Toyota runs three hours of inventory. That means that their entire plant has three hours to work from. And if they run out of parts, the entire plant, 3,000 employees shuts down, stops. And they stand there and wait. And so there's all these really, but the, because of that, They've learned all these really important truths. And it, it's, it doesn't need to be at that scale to be super valuable. Um, but one of the things that we've tried really hard to do here is versatility. So, you know, if if you buy a press or you buy a mill or you buy a tool, do not dedicate it to one process. Set it up so that it can really efficiently work on a hundred different parts yeah. rather than really efficiently on one thing. So what Henry Ford did wrong, he created mass production in the early 1900s was he would build a set of dies and then he would have a press made around those dies. And then when they did a body change, they were outdated. You they have to, you have to buy a whole machine yeah. and you're talking about a massive machine, like mm-hmm. 50. Well, back then they were in uh, like hundreds and thousands of tons. Right. So what, Toyota did that was really cool was they were broke after World War II and so they had to just figure it out and Honda did the same thing they were totally broke when they started their companies and so they just made what they had work and they had to be efficient with their time they had to be super efficient with their processes so they invented all these cool things Uh, cool is a relative term (laughs) really interesting to a nerd things Uh, (laughs) cool you know so they would do um they invented all these processes that now, you know, they started then have incrementally made them extremely profitable for the long haul yeah. because they started and worked so hard up front. Yeah. And um, so that's one thing that I think we have done really well is just uh, put a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort into making processes efficient so that when we hit a time like this, um, I can move people around. We can set machines up. We can, if I, one of the things that we have had a lot of problems with is getting material here mm-hmm. because our suppliers aren't having the same positive experience that we are. A lot of shutdowns. Mm-hmm. A lot of shutdowns, a lot of stalls, uh, you know, stuff coming from overseas we're, is. We're probably single handedly keeping certain businesses in business. <laughs> I don't know about single handedly, but we're, we're definitely making an impact. I mean, yeah. you know, we do, we do enough to warrant attention. <laughs> this is a lively shop. I think we've got a speaking I just of which. Sure that truck wasn't waiting on somebody that yeah, well, a, Phillips here. So he, I think, I thought I heard Phillips' voice. Yeah. This is in the real time, folks. We're, we're running this business yeah. as we record this podcast. Uh, it's it's interesting that you talk about Henry Ford and all that stuff. Like, yeah, this is probably going to sound really, really nerdy. Yeah. But I don't feel nerdier than you guys. I feel normal. <laughs> really should. <So. laughs> One of my favorite shows on television is How It's Made. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. And like my favorite thing to do is is to. Um, have a real wild Friday or Saturday night and binge watch like a whole season, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I like to see the processes in that yeah. show and be like, okay, some of this is fascinating. Like, how can yeah. how can I maybe apply some of this to yeah. forging axes or yeah. forging garden tools or like right. trying to really step up that um, like that efficiency and effectiveness, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, one of the things that big industry has gotten wrong and it it uh, kind of resulted in the demise of a lot of companies is they. 
they went with Henry Ford's as designed mass production, thinking that that scale would keep the piece price really low. But what it effectively did is you're just trying to make things as fast as possible. And so you're sending stuff out with defects. And so some automotive plants will have a second plant that they take the cars that come off the first production line, they take it to the second plant, they disassemble the car and fix the thing that was wrong with it and then put it back together. And so then you have to cover the cost of this yeah. really experienced worker to go do that. And we can think of that here because if I have, a, if I have an issue at machining, he, you need to find that out before he makes a thousand parts. Right. So we just don't make a thousand parts. We make 50 at a time. We do mm-hmm. small batch. And that allows us, if something goes wrong on your first axe and you don't catch it until the 10th, yeah. yeah. that's a way less big deal than if you were doing 100. Yeah, because then you're like, man, I have all this material lost. Right. I have all this time lost. Absolutely. I have all these, you know. Right. Well, and if you're going to do small batch, so it's called small batch high uh, variety, um, basically you're going to do a dozen of something, and then you're going to switch your tooling over to the next product line. And that that versatility means that when one thing stops selling well, you don't have to make it. Yeah. And you can just immediately move over and start making the thing that is selling well. And yeah. with our presses, we are always trying to put ourselves out of business. So the stuff that you were, the secret, the top secret stuff you were using today <laughs> is in an effort. Can't talk about it, Colin, <laughs> but it was cool. Is, is in an effort to put us out of business because we know, or put that old school product line out of business because we know that that's better in a lot of ways, not for everybody. So right. we'll still sell some of these. I mean, you know, um, but for more professional customers that are, yeah, that's right. Whatever that, it is, <laughs> is more geared towards those, right. you know, automation allows you to set parameters and do things that you just otherwise couldn't do efficiently or easily or repeatably. And so again, that's building in versatility. And when I talk to guys and gals that are wanting to step up their game, they'll, they'll say, you know, do I want to buy a 16 or do I want to move up to the 25? You know, my question to them is, you know, is versatility important to you? Like, do you have a lot of different things that you want to pursue and make? Because the bigger press you get, the bigger diary you have, the more pressure you have. Um, We can specialize a tooling set and and set up a 16 ton. And, you know, I've got guys doing 90 axes every two weeks on a 16 ton press. And I know who they are. (laughs) But I also know that that makes that machine highly efficient at one process. Yeah. You know, and so versatility is just is built into the design of it when you go larger. And so that that's kind of something to think about as you kind of set up your processes is make everything as versatile as possible. Absolutely. And um, the, the other thing is we set constraints for ourselves. So uh, we base everything that we do off of 5811 tap size. So... Every, not on that press because that's old, <laughs> but the die sets are 5.8.11 and on the new machines, all of the adjustment screws are all 5.8.11s and really? on our collets, it's 5.8.11. You know, we set a constraint for ourselves because I already have the stuff set up in the mill. I already have the tooling on hand. I already have the set screws in the box, like, and I can set a design parameter like that. And I think for you, you know, when we designed the 12 ton, Andy and I sat down and literally said like, what do we, what do our customers need? It was like they need a. They ask for a less expensive press, and they have tiny, tiny shops. Yeah, garages. Yeah, and they and they don't want to receive a semi. Yeah, or they can't. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are our constraints, and then we designed to fit in FedEx and to ship via common courier, and to fit on a table. You know, it's like it's been great, and and that just opened the floodgates for that customer. I mean it. 
it's been very good. And, <laughs> and to say the least. And, yeah. and it's like, what's really cool though is because we got it in so many people's hands now, now I can see all the new things that they're coming up with to make that machine do what they want, even though it's small and it's, yeah. but you know, the versatility is still there. It's just limited by your imagination. So I think it's, I think a press like that would be even in a, even in a small, like, okay. So even if you had a 25 or yeah. a 16 ton, yeah. having one of these to do 100%. one process next to it yep. and being able to go back and forth, right. I mean, because so I had never seen one of the twelves in yeah. person until today, and yeah. like, is it smaller than you thought it would be? It is, and not only that, those little dies are so it damn so cute. <laughs> the, 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 the little combo dies, oh my gosh, they're so cute. But I just I think of myself like even when I'm forging my garden tools, you know, like yeah. it would be nice to be able to like, you know, uh, have a have a twelve ton that I can I can curve my trowels with and right. things like that, and then I go over and go straight over to my twenty five and start. Uh, forging my shanks and stuff like that and without ever having to touch anything right. I mean I mean I think I just think it's a, a brilliant idea I mean because it services a, a wider customer set right. just like you guys said and how awesome is it that you can get I mean I'm not trying to sound like I'm a sponsor because I'm not sponsored <laughs> by you guys unless you want to uh, I mean that you can literally get a press that it, it's on a it's on a freaking shopping cart on yeah, you know yeah. what I mean like right. it's it, right. it's you know and like yeah. I don't even know if I could sit on that without it breaking and it's you could you know, you could. That's I a could. very strong card. Okay, I didn't yeah. know. It's a thousand pounds for sure. Okay, you're well, fine. I didn't know. It doesn't look at that. It doesn't. Pounds. I know, yeah. but it, it's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I just think that's really impressive. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things like um, that I had to do because I, uh, I make a lot of uh, hoary, hoary garden knives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sell them to master gardeners and folks who like to garden. But yeah. it was kind of the same thing. Not everybody wanted to spend seventy five dollars on something they're gonna stick in the dirt. Right. And so and then that's when we started making actual trowels, you know, yeah. like uh, just plain thirty dollar garden trowels that we could just sell and rivet together and right. they're still forged, but you right. know, um right. and you try set and, a constraint. You yeah. knew that you had to make it for less. Absolutely. Money. Right. And 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 being able to work around those those obstructions with your customers i think it's 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 very daunting it's very daunting but i think that's uh you know it's like oh okay that's, okay. The, that's the thing though that's like yeah. the game is can you uh can you figure out how to communicate with them in a way that is positive enough for both parties that you don't feel just beat into the dirt because i've i've dealt with that too where we have done things wrong and then you just deal with upset people for long periods of time and it's it's oh man it makes you feel because especially when it's your product and your design it makes you feel like you're you know an inch tall and yeah it, just it makes you feel like a failure sucks you know? in every way you know yeah. and so but but being able to figure out a way to communicate with those people because their feedback is the most important because it's the most honest you're ever going to get it may be exaggerated at times yeah but it's still the most honest you're going to get because the guy that's blowing smoke because he loves everything, that doesn't tell you anything. No. You know, so we worked really hard in the beginning again to make sure that we took that and, and started that as a part of our feedback loop that when people are unhappy about something, um, we do something about it. And not just once, but we build a process around, okay, so that failed for that customer. How are we going to make sure that that never happens again? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, but again, it takes a lot of effort. It does. And you have to care a lot. And, and I think there's a difference between uh, a good enough mindset yeah. and then, you know, that, you know, just yeah. like uh, with, just like with axes, like making sure, like, I have sold axes that have, the heads have come loose. I mean, yeah. I didn't think they would and yeah. I missed a flaw, but I made sure that when those customers sent them back to me, I either put a brand new handle and fix that issue 
or I just forged them a brand new head, no questions yeah. asked. And you know, customer service goes a long way. Speaking from yeah. somebody who's worked in customer service their entire adult life, you know, in yeah. one way or another. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Nate and I, every, I feel, probably every time my camera's on you or, or, and me, we, we always uh, mention Gary Vee because we're acolyte <laughs> evangelists of Gary Vee. I was telling you about Gary Vee yeah, earlier. Yeah. Um, but guys like him and others like Robert Kiyosaki, other you know, famous business people that we uh, have grown from and learned a lot from, all say to re- rewind a bit to your earlier point, Nate, of like, um, regardless of what your field is, you know, find a problem and try to fix it. Find a need in the market and try to, try to meet that need. And you and Andy sat down and definitely found a need and it's blown up and the poor people in the shop have to make the 12 tons are like, can you please stop advertising 12 tons? Cause there's like so much work to do. And now, uh, you guys, you guys asked me this question. So I'm gonna ask you guys this question and I'm sure there's probably things you can't disclose, but where do you guys see coal iron going from here? Well, uh, you know, through, I was driving to an auction down in Southern Indiana the other day, like two weeks ago. And <laughs> I, was listening to this book called uh, I think it's Innovation and Invention or something like that. It's a fantastic book. I think it's by Peter Drucker. So good. R- highly recommend it because it's one of those books you sit and listen to and you comprehend what's going on in the book, but it just gives you these snippets of information that you begin to process and analyze your own like what you're working on. And I just had so many uh, light bulb moment- moments while I was listening to this book, but I was driving down there, I was listening to this book and I thought So I had said at the end of 2020 that 2021 was going to be the year of education. And I was driving down to Southern Indiana to look at all this equipment. And and there's this weird thing that I'm doing. I'm going to all these auctions and stuff and seeing all these plant closures. And I'm like talking to these people that like their business has failed. And it's just planting the seed in me that I don't ever want to do that without being the person to make that decision. You know, I think sometimes there are are times when it's appropriate. And Adam Savage, when he was talking about Mythbusters, said it really eloquently where, you know, he had like what he was so grateful that they had had the opportunity to be the, the decision makers to shut it down before it lost its like yeah. wonderful before it lost that luster of what right. Mythbusters was. So, you know, that that's one thing. But uh so I started thinking about like how how do we grow what we have? And I just felt so called to teach. And so I immediately called Dave and I was like, okay, stop whatever you're doing and listen to me. Uh, everything. I need your attention. So I was like, okay. Anvil clatter. <laughs> in the Nate, Nate and I operate on a similar frequency <laughs> with too much coffee. And, yeah. <laughs> Seven cups in I'm driving. I'm See in my second sounds. like thing of sour patch kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we gotta talk. Uh, but it was just this sense of like, okay, you know, when I was a kid, when I was 11 years old, I grew up on a farm. My, how I learned was I got on YouTube and I forged iron and anvil fire and I was going to all these different pages and reading everything. And I was on all the forums and I was trying to grow because I didn't have anybody to get that information from. And I had a sofa nearby, but yeah. I was a kid. I was 11. Like I had, it wasn't how were you going to get in the quad state? Yeah. Right. Yeah. For those who don't know, uh, he wasn't talking about a nice, um, you know, uh, living room, uh, <laughs> furniture sofa is a really awesome, uh, Southern Ohio Forge and Anvil, yes. and the event is Quad State. Happens every year in in, in Troy, Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, so they they uh, and they have weekly meetings. Oh yeah, or monthly or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I I immediately remembered that I remembered that feeling mm-hmm. of tr- like feeling like 
insatiable that I could never find too much information. Yeah. I could never find enough anywhere. I remember that too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so I just thought, oh, that's the need. Like, I get the call all the time of people who are like, can this machine do this? Can this do this? Here's what I want to do. But it's that's that's just like the 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 cherry on top because in reality, there's so many other people that don't call or don't have the time or opportunity to call and talk to me. But they don't know to ask. They don't or ask. they don't know to ask or yeah. they don't, they wouldn't, they, they don't want to, you know, uh, call and ask a question that has nothing to do with presses. And so I thought, so we just need to inform people about blacksmithing. We need right. to teach people and get as much information because we have such an awesome opportunity. Excuse me. Um, we have this amazing shop and we have this wonderful business that can support this. And so let's just get as many people out this year and next year and the, fall, the year after that and just start, you know, uh, David just being able to jump in and, and take charge of that because I, I knew he would be – this is like his God-given ability to make stuff like this happen and to be wonderful in, in just every conceivable way. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's just – so anyway, 2021 is the year of education, expanding our education, mm-hmm. expanding uh, our reach into you know, the people that we're serving and, and working for. Um, and getting as much content, whether it has anything to do with our presses or not. I don't really care. It's mostly about like showing, again, we're creating how it's made yeah. over and over and over and over again. Yeah. It's just uh, very specifically about forged stuff. Yeah. And I love how it's made. I watch it with my kids. Uh, my, my narrator, f- man. <laughs> the best. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's got nothing. <laughs> and my, my five-year-old will come up and be like, Dad, how do they make computers? I don't know. Let's go find out. Let's, let's watch <laughs> how do they today. make hot dogs? I don't think you want to find out. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we want to make that. But, but um, up and beyond that, we want to make really wonderful solutions to people's problems. Mm-hmm. And I have had the privilege to work with Andy over the last couple of years and come up with some really fun solutions for industrial needs alongside our like residential customers and people getting started and professional blacksmiths and things like that. Um, so we are going to pursue uh, more industrial stuff alongside what we're really good at. And uh, that, that includes an expansion of our, our product line into some larger, really exciting, big projects. And other um, top secret things. And other top secret things. That I'm and... pointing to that everybody can't see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And... I have to play with today. I'm not rubbing it in. It's fine. <laughs> but along with, like, you know, the residential customers that are buying the 12 tons, that exposed to me that there's just this big hungry need for education, not just for presses, not just for blacksmithing, but people that are wanting to take a side hustle or take a hobby and turn it into a side hustle or take a side hustle and turn it into a profession. Yeah, this is what we did. Yeah. You know, I was working full time and then I would do nights. I, I worked from 7.30 after Millie went to bed until 2 a.m. every night. And that's how we started Cole. And then it got to the point where I couldn't do both. And so... What was your job before? I was a graphic designer. Yeah. And so I had great flexibility where I could do... Like, I could answer calls and emails throughout the day, but I couldn't go out in the shop. Right. I would try, but I would be, like, working on a project on my computer and... I literally have the computer in there. It is so packed with metal dust that you can't like press the keys. Oh man! Uh, and so I thought, yeah, we got to the point where that was just not feasible anymore. Andy was still technically bladesmithing full time, but in reality, I had consumed his life. So, yeah. <laughs> so we we uh, we both went full time, and 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 
you know, that was a huge learning curve. So I would love to share with, you know, as a component of all this, like the business side of yeah, all of this is because it's, it's terrifying. It's yeah, terrifying. For daunting, sure, you know, because and, you, you are now it's, well, here's the thing. And this is something Gary Vee says that I always love. He, he says, you know, um, it's my fault. So I can do something about it. Yeah. And when I, when I quit my job and went full time, if it wasn't working, it was my fault. Right. And suddenly that was the most freeing and most terrifying part of this whole process. And I still feel that sometimes, you know, as we're expanding and moving into this new building and doing all that, it's like the growth is my fault. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, exactly. it's my fault. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, that's, oh. a, that's a whole other huge yeah. podcast episode yeah. I want to talk about. Cause that's, uh, I mean, honestly, Nate, you've, it's a belief I certainly had for years, but you've helped um, solidify it in my life. I'm super grateful for as my brother in, in life and craft. And it's just fighting against that ingrained victim mentality that we can all have of like, it's so easy to find an external thing to blame of like, oh, my business isn't growing because of X, Y, Z. It's like, that's BS. Like, and, and as scary as it is to take ownership, it's actually fun when you do. Because then when, when you succeed, it's like you have so much more power yeah. than it's you like, realize. I, I yeah, so it's a bigger conversation than we should get into now. But I love that conversation <laughs> of like yeah. minds. People think, especially guys in our craft, are like, oh, I don't care for that hokey, you know, nonsense and mindset mumbo jumbo. It's like it's, it's not mumbo jumbo. Like, no, it's absolutely essential and important. Yes. I mean, especially if you're somebody that's thinking about turning the side hustle into your yeah. job mm-hmm. you know you absolutely need to understand and know those things and especially go down this tangent a little bit and try not to go too far because but especially in this new economy of i think a lot of people are in denial of it or maybe they just can't wrap their minds around it that's fine i the new economy is terrifying because like this old mindset of like, Oh, keep your trade secrets and I'm not going to share my knowledge or, uh, you know, don't let, yeah. that's not, we live in a, in an economy now where businesses grow based on abundance and sharing. And sure, sure. We've got Cole has, you know, uh, like we joked about top secret things that we're not sharing, but we want to share, you know, <laughs> and we, and, <laughs> and, uh, like, uh, I just, as, yeah, as silly as it may sound, the more you abundantly share free knowledge and create a, a positive, warm uh, environment and vibe online, people are attracted to that. And they are attracted more than just your quality product, but your brand and your personality. And so we try to be who we are, the person we are in this podcast you're hearing right now. It's really who we are. Um, um, okay, and I'm going to shut up because I love, I love that topic of like mindset and abundance and don't be stingy, don't be a victim and take ownership even if it's scary and yeah so you guys are great examples of that and, and uh, I, think a, I think that's a really good example though of you guys are wanting to not only i mean obviously you guys want to everybody wants to make money but for you guys yeah. there's there's a lot of people in this industry in this craft in this field whatever you want to call it that they they don't want to share what they know mm-hmm. um and and it's it's toxic mm-hmm. and and here we are you know you guys are trying to do the complete opposite of that you guys are are sharing as much as you can and you guys are in, investing in sharing this with people you know well and i think we feel comfortable doing it because we've already exposed to ourselves we've been exposed to there's way more here than we thought i mean when andy and i started this business we built 10 presses and we thought that's it we built just onesie, twosie, we, we, we built all the presses that anybody will ever buy. Those are all the blacksmiths. There yeah. were 10. Yeah. And then the next year we sold 100. Yeah. And then it's been just a constant growth over that again and again and again. And it, what it did was it told me I couldn't put my budget on you know my expectations on my customers, my budget on my customers. But I also couldn't put – like I have no idea how many there are. 
And especially now that we're going overseas so much, um, Shipping presses overseas, to be clear. <laughs> yes. I've never been overseas. I've tried to stick myself in a crate or two, but... Uh, That's terrifying. The, the, yeah. not, well, not getting, getting stuck in a crate too, but I mean, the idea of not only... You are expanding to a completely different market, a completely different right. culture, with yeah. completely different standards and of expectations. quality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just... But but then again, we know that we're going into it with an open mind and, and open arms and expecting feedback from those customers. And so their feedback is now shaping that whole side of our market because yeah. we're learning what their expectations and needs are. You know, we're, we're changing how we're doing some things on the electrical side. And um, because anytime we, we leave the United States, now we're on a 50 hertz system. Yeah. We, we, there's a bunch of stuff we have to deal with. And so, but we don't know what we don't know. And I would rather take the momentum and just carry it into that than uh, try to figure it out. Because every time I've sat back and tried to, engineer a solution without the experience i fail yeah I f- because i still have to re-engineer once i get into it anyway so yeah. might as well just get going yeah and you might as well stab and fail rather than not try at all so. absolutely absolutely yeah cool well we said this was gonna be like a 30 minute conversation it of was, course right? oh was it really no feels long no <laughs> no no not at all. uh but uh, Benton, thank you for being here, brother. Uh, thank you, really guys. appreciate you. Uh, so do the, the normal podcast rigmarole that people do when they uh, drop all your social media, uh, your website, your what's your Instagram? How can people find you? <laughs> all right, we can do that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Frizzy Forges with Fire. I love alliterations, obviously. <laughs> um, and so you can find me on there. I'm always posting things I'm making. Um, you can also check out my business, River City Forge and Tool. It's rivercityforge.com. You can check out. We have um, some. We might have some axes on there. I can't remember. But um, we've got T-shirts, garden tools, pre-orders for garden tools, uh, tool conditioners for your tools, all kinds of goodies. Um, and there'll be some more media coming to the website soon eventually as well. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, of course, uh, Nate and I here at Coal Ironworks are going to try to make this podcast uh, a bit more regular, to say the least, <laughs> uh, especially with you know, our serious endeavor to do uh, Coal Iron Collaborative, as we're calling it, having uh, awesome folks like uh, Benton out here more often. So, yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're probably already subscribed. But uh, in, in all seriousness, please do uh, give us, you know, the, the typical five stars and, uh, and share it on social media. Since we haven't uh, created one for a while, we would really love and appreciate that from all you guys. Um, but for now, thanks for listening. Take care. Talk to you guys later. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. How do I stop this thing? You just go back and press. <laughs> and hopefully you were recording. <laughs> yeah, we were recording. Good. So professional. I